I'd like to turn to Luke's Gospel and chapter 1. Our subject really is one word this morning. We've sung it again and again. It's been in almost every verse of every hymn that we have sung this morning, and we'll find it in two verses that we shall turn to now. And that will be our subject this morning, Luke 1 and verse 27. This is the words of the mother of the Lord Jesus. She said, And my spirit hath rejoiced, joy, rejoicing, in God my Saviour. We find it again in Luke 2 and verse 10. And the angel this time speaks and says, The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people no greater joy. How do you feel this morning? Some of you have sadness in your heart. Today is a day that you remember loved ones. Christmas is not all joy for most people. The coming of the Lord Jesus, the end of the year, is not all joy, if we're being honest. Some of us have sadness. Some of us miss lost ones, uh, loved ones. We miss those who are no longer with us. And we have heartaches. And we have sadness. We think of those who are sick. We think of those who have great burdens to bear. So how can we say, no greater joy? Well, that's our message this morning. The message that is within Mary's life as we shall consider, is great sadness and shame and grief and fear and anxiety turn to joy. No greater joy than what Mary experiences in her life. And so we're going to look at some of the words that Mary sang. It's known as the Magnificat. That's the Latin term. It just means no greater joy than what Mary said and Mary discovered. And it came through believing in the promises that the Lord gave to her. She believed that her fear and sadness and grief and shame would be turned into joy, and it was. And that can happen for everybody. Is there somebody here this morning? You don't know that joy. Oh yes, in this life, we have the joy of a holiday. But it doesn't last. We have the joy of opening a present. And it breaks, or it wears out. We have the joy of going to a fun fair but it's over in a minute, in an hour. This world's joy, we shall speak about that. Peter, he says these words, we rejoice with joy unspeakable, literally 
joy that you can't describe, you can't put it into words, and that's something of what Mary knew. She could not describe the joy that she had and felt and experienced. This is a felt joy. It's real. Do you know that joy? Or up until now in your life, has your life been just a roller coaster? Joy, sadness. Joy, sadness. We can speak of John's words. He says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. Is there a parent here this morning? Maybe a grandparent. And I can speak personally for a while. There is no greater joy in a parent's life than to know that your children walk in the truth, which is to know Christ. Is that not right? Is there a parent here this morning? And the day that your son or daughter said to you, I know the Lord Jesus Christ. I love him. He's my saviour. That's better than anything in life. To know that your child walks in the truth. And that child has said, nothing else matters in my life. Promotion, forget it. New house, I'm not interested. What matters for me is that my child walks in the truth. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. I have no greater joy. What matters in life is that your child, your son, your daughter, your grandchild, your great-grandchild, isn't that the greatest gift? That they know no greater joy in their own heart. They've discovered the joy that isn't a roller coaster, the joy that is permanent. Yes, it ebbs and flows because we're human, but the joy that comes through knowing what Mary knew, the joy that comes in believing in God my Savior. Well, we shall look at that, but we have to look at the opposite just for a while. The world's joy, my first heading this morning. The world's joy. We have to look at it because that's, that's what we all experience until we come to know no greater joy. What can we say of the world's joy? This isn't a world that has no joy. That would be wrong. But this world's joy, it's temporary, at best. It's like a box of fireworks. It's like Christmas tinsel. It's like a nightclub. Just go and look at the street the day after and see the sadness and the never again and the I wish I hadn't but the bad can't be undone this world's joy it's just fragile 
It's just like a bottle. When it's empty, it's gone. That's this world's joy. This world's joy is often cruel. Years ago, they used to have these fairs that would tour the country. They were freak shows. They would take joy and have entertainment at somebody who was unusually small or unusually this or that. That would be the entertainment. Joy at the expense of somebody else. Joy at somebody else's sadness and misery. A drink that spiked with something that the person who drinks it doesn't know. Joy at somebody else's expense. That's this world's joy. People take pleasure in somebody else having sadness. That's this world's joy. This world's joy, it's often unholy, unclean, degrading. It damages the body, it damages the conscience. We have to live with the after effects, the guilt. That's this world's joy. Oh, I don't like to talk about it. But this is what we see. This is what we experience in life. Perhaps we can say even better, we might experience joy. We go to a wedding. Oh, that's a joyous thing. But the person that I wanted to be there isn't there. On a day that should be full of joy and happiness, it would have been better if the person had been sat next to me to experience what I'm experiencing. A day of joy and gladness. But it's not complete. It's tinged. Oh, we hope that we can move beyond quickly the sadnesses and move to happy memories. But life isn't quite like that. It does have tinges of sadness, even on the best of days. And you know, this world's joy, it doesn't consider the consequences for other people. There used to be an expression, I don't know whether you know this, children. It used to be quite common, it sometimes is. It's not so easy now because the technology has made it harder. But there would be a craze of stealing cars. And the person that stole the car, they could just put something in the ignition and they called it joyriding. Very often the car would end up in an accident. Sometimes a pedestrian would be mowed down or somebody would have a near miss or the police would put their lives at risk trying to slow down that car that was speeding at 120 miles an hour. Joy riding. Joy? But that's what life can be like. Joy for me but no thought for others about the impact that our lives have. Oh, joy in this life. But I don't want to talk about that anymore. The joy that Mary knew. Let's look at what it says before us. Mary, she's got this news for one minute. 
Her life is broken, destroyed. We've thought about it recently. What does this news mean to me? I'm not even properly married. I'm only engaged at the moment. And now I'm found with child. Her life turned upside down. Let's look at verse 45 of Luke chapter 1. And it says, this is the complete change. This is her conversion. This is when she comes to believe. This is the turning point in her life. If you've never known a turning point, this is what you need to know. Verse 45, and blessed is she that believed. For a moment, will I believe or not? Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. There'd been an announcement. There'd been a promise. There'd been truth revealed. This is going to happen. Would she believe it? Will it be true? Will it be performed, carried out? And Mary, in her heart, she pondered these things. And then she decided, I've got to believe. I've got to trust. If God says it, it's true. If God says it, it will come to pass. And so, having gone very quickly to see her cousin, she probably wasn't a cousin, maybe an auntie. The word for cousin just means a female relative. She goes to see her. And Elizabeth says to her, it will be so. Blessed is she that believed. How did Elizabeth know that she had a child inside her? Mary, the Holy Spirit had worked. Do you know every time somebody comes to know Christ, to believe in him, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. A pastor doesn't do it. A priest, a parent, they don't do it. We wish we could, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when we believe, when we trust. It's the Holy Spirit that comes into the heart. Verse 41, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. It says it again and again. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The second person of the Trinity is Christ. The third is the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, the Trinity. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to help us to believe, to help us to take truth into our mind, into our heart, to believe it, to trust in it. And so that's what Mary does. It says here, that Elizabeth speaks with a loud voice. She's confident. The Holy Spirit has taught her. And she says to Mary, You're blessed because I know you have believed. I've believed. I'm now already with child. And now blessed are you, Mary, because you have 
believe. Verse 46. Let's look at our second heading. What is joy? What is real joy? We've looked at the world's joy. We don't want to speak any more of that. But verse 46. Mary defines the joy that only true Christians know. Look at this this morning. Ask yourselves these questions. Do I know this kind of joy? This is what Mary says. And Mary said, verse 46, My soul does magnify the Lord. I'm going to make God big. I'm going to magnify, speak well of him. I'm going to make his name, his truth, bigger and bigger and bigger in my life. So we can first say, this kind of joy is holy joy. This is an earthly joy. If you want to know whether the joy that you have in your life is real joy, is it holy joy? You go to some churches, you go to some places, I don't want to speak bad of others, and things happen, and it's not holy. The things that happen are unclean. They're not the things that the Word of God teaches, and so they must be unholy. But this joy is holy. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced. It's had joy. Who in? In God. The source of her joy is God. That's the test. If you want real joy, it better be holy joy. It better be from God, because if it's from somewhere else, it won't last. It might be unclean. It might be temporary. And so she can say, I rejoice in God. That's the source of her joy. It's holy joy, because it comes from God. Who's done this work? God has. She's turned, he's turned her darkness and gloom into joy, into peace, into a joy that's going to last. Mary will know this joy all the way through her life because it's not put on, it's not made up, it's not worked up, as some people say. No, this is real joy. You go to a concert. I don't go to concerts very often. And they have the warm-up act. The act that's to make people feel good. The act that's to make them feel joyful. If you go to a show, and again, I don't do this, and there's a comedian and he or she is going to tell a few jokes. Any of them might be rude. And they have the warm-up act to make people feel relaxed. 
We don't need a warm-up act. We have God. This holy source of joy. But secondly, we can say, if you want this lasting, greater joy, this is personal. Very often, if you look at the world, the sort of joy that it experiences is when you've got a large group of people. You go to the football match. Oh, it was so good. You should have heard them singing. Oh, we had such a great time. Oh, the atmosphere. Oh, it was so good. But then we went home. And it was over. And I was on my own. And I didn't feel the vibe anymore. No, this is personal joy. What does Mary say? And Mary said, My soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. This is personal. This doesn't need a crowd. This doesn't need 10,000 people. In fact, sometimes this joy is better when you're on your own. When you can reflect on what God has done for me. What he's done for my soul. How he's lifted me up. How he's saved me from my sin. This joy is about knowing I've got sins forgiven. Peace with God. I used to be apart from God. I was a stranger. I was a foreigner. I was far from him. And now I have a savior. I have peace with God. He's mine. There's no distance between us. If you don't know that peace with a friend today, go and make peace with them. If you're at loggerheads with a parent, you're not talking. Go and make peace with them. That's what Christ has done. He's come from heaven. He's come to make peace. He's come to reconcile us. If there's somebody in your life and you're apart from them, go and make peace. That's what Christ has done. And that's why Mary, she wasn't at peace. Because she didn't agree and she didn't want what had happened. This news of a child. It was an unwanted pregnancy. Can I say that? It was. Mary didn't want the consequences. But it was the most needed. And the most wanted pregnancy. Once she realized the significance that this was Christ, my Savior. Thirdly, we can say that this joy comes and it's littered across these verses from real humility. If you want joy, don't be a proud boy, a proud girl. A proud man, a proud woman. Mary had to be humbled. She speaks about herself as a handmaiden. It literally means a female slave, a doulos. 
And she's found the secret of joy because she knows she's just a servant. She's just going to carry this child. She will be the human carrier of the Son of God. She speaks of herself as being just of low estate, just a female servant, carrying the one that carries all the world in his hands. And she says she's just a handmaiden. And she speaks about the proud, verse 51. Look, he's scattered the proud and he's squashed the imaginations and the dreams of their hearts and he's put down the mighty and he's lifted up those of low degree. Are you a person of low degree? Or have you got a proud heart this morning? If you want greater joy, you need it to be holy joy, personal joy, and you need humility in your heart. The sort of humility that Mary had that said, no, my body is not mine now. My body is for the Lord. And my life is for him. And I will be his carer and protector and succorer until he can care for himself. A great Puritan said this, Richard Sibbs, we can do nothing well in life if we don't have joy. Do you have joy? You want to live your life well? Well, you need joy. And joy, he said, comes from having a good conscience. This is the ground of true joy. Do you have a good conscience this morning? Or is there still sin within your heart? Is there still pride? You won't believe God's truth. You won't believe his message. You still want your life. You want to live life your way. You want unholy joy. You want to be part of the crowd. You want to have your pride. No. The Lord says this morning, if you want joy, it's got to be holy. It's got to be personal. It's got to be humble. And then it can be confident joy. This joy has a quiet confidence. Mary knew what that was. She took the promises to heart. And she knew that the Lord would be with her. She knew that the Lord would help her. They were just peasants. They didn't know the future. She left her town and the people looked at her with shame. Would she be able to go back to her own people the Lord would provide? What would she be able to do in the future? Oh, the Lord will provide. If you have to walk away from your family because they look at you because you name the name of Christ and he is your saviour, the Lord will provide. Mary stayed with her cousin, Elizabeth, three months. Why did she go to Elizabeth? She went because that's what Christians do. 
they go and speak to other Christians of what the Lord has done for them. That's their desire to be in fellowship. She goes to Elizabeth because she was a family member and she knew that Elizabeth trusted in the Lord because she knew that she was with John the Baptist and they shared what God was doing within them. That's what Christians do. They speak of spiritual things. They speak of the Lord. And this joy enabled her to draw near to the Lord. This joy, it was based upon a covenant relationship. It wasn't random. What was happening within her had been planned before the creation of the world. And she was told that. She was told, verse 55, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. In her song, in her humble song of personal joy, of holy joy, she also remembers that what's happening to her was promised to Abraham and to his seed forever. This isn't an accident. This isn't a chance happening. This is the fulfillment of hundreds of promises for thousands of years. What's happening inside me is what God planned. It's a covenant. It's a contract. It's an agreement between God the Father, God the Son, and it's unbreakable, unshakable. That's why she has no greater joy going on inside her. Do you know that? Do you know that greater joy than the world can give you? Why is this real joy? Because earth has received his king, that king that was inside her. Because heaven has been opened to you and to me. It was shut. And now it's opened for all who will come. There's no greater joy because now the Savior reigns. How does he reign? Is it a tyrannical rule, like a horrible ruler who rules with war and terror? No, he's come to rule with love and truth and grace in individual hearts. And this is no greater joy because Satan has been defeated because Christ came. He would destroy Satan and the curse. He would trample on the serpent. Now because of that, Satan doesn't need to rule your life anymore. You can be under new management. The rule of Christ can rule over your life. And this is no greater joy because blessing after blessing can now flow like a river. It's as though a dam with all the blessings been held back. Now the dam is opened and the blessings flow. And that river whereof the streams make glad.
will flow and flow and flow into your life and my life. And it's God's glory revealed. No greater joy. There's an illustration of this. You think of a great banquet. A great banquet with seven courses of food. I once went to one. Somebody paid at work for one of these celebrity chefs at a hotel. Seven courses. Some of the food was cooked with gases on your table and it was astonishing. And there was food that looked sweet and it tasted sour. And there was food that was playing all sorts of tricks with your senses and your taste buds. It was amazing. It was a feat of chemistry and science and culinary skills. And I sampled every course. It was Each one was tiny. You came out hungry. But imagine a feast of fat things, seven courses. It goes on forever. That's how the Lord describes heaven. And we get a taste of it in this life. And the taste is sweet. The taste satisfies. And we want more and more and more. But imagine you just have a picture. It's a good picture. It's an oil painting. And I say to you, here's the picture. Oh, this banquet, this feast, it will go on forever. The taste is incredible. The feeling of satisfaction, of filling you up. And you say, I'll just have the photo. I won't have the real thing. I'd rather just have a picture. I can, I can look at it. I can even read it. You can describe it to me. You can tell me about the artist. You can tell me everything. But I won't taste it. And I won't experience its holiness, its purity, its satiety. I'd rather just look at the picture. Oh, don't do that with the joy that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't lose him as just a picture on the wall. Come to the banquet. Come and feast on the feast of fat things, as the word of God calls it. Come to him. Do what Mary did. Blessed is she that believed, for there will be a performance of those things which were told to her of the Lord. Let's close.